0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Very, very happy Easter uh, to you. Uh, Some of you will know that there's an ancient tradition in the church on Easter Day, We say, the Lord has risen, and then you reply, hallelujah, he is risen indeed. Let's give that a whirl. And as we do this, let's realize these words in many different languages are echoing around churches all around the world today. So, the Lord is risen. Hallelujah, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah, indeed. Well, today we join 2.3 billion people around the world celebrating the greatest moment in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Christmas is important. Easter is decisive. So said Arsene Wenger, (laughs) the late great uh, manager of Arsenal Football football club. But of course, uh, Easter is indeed decisive, not just in the football transfer window. It is decisive for every single man and woman, uh, boy and girl in the world today. Why is it decisive for you and for me? Well, because if the story that we have just heard, brilliantly read by Naomi, the story that we've been singing together uh, over these uh, different songs. If that story is true, if Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead, it means many things deeply relevant for you and me today. Firstly, it means that the power of sin, who knows that sin has power? You, you open the door to, to some little sin and it, it grows and addictions form. Who knows if you've been a victim of sin? The power that can have traumatically in your life for years and years to come. Who knows if you've visited the site of one of the holocausts, one of the genocide sites, whether it's S21 in Phnom Penh or whether it's uh, one of the German or Polish uh, concentration camps. You see the power of sin. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus means that the power of sin is broken and we can live free and forgiven. Every single one of us can have a fresh start in life if we'll just repent, say sorry, and allow uh, the Lord Jesus Christ to wipe things clean. The resurrection of Jesus also means that there is life after death that we have hope for this life but also for the next those of you who are grieving who've lost loved ones those of you who are deeply frightened of death and dying I want you to know there is life after death if you will just live your life in relationship with Jesus Christ it is the greatest good news the resurrection also means that there is life before death. Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, I've come to give you life to the full. To know Jesus is to be more fully alive than people who don't know Jesus. It's not to be miserable or religious. It is to be more alive, more forgiving, more uh, quicker to laugh, uh, more full of color, more full of imagination, kinder and loving life and uh, and that is what relationship with Jesus is like it doesn't mean we're immune from difficulties in fact we probably have even more but we have Jesus and that is a game changer and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that you and I can have a real living relationship with the God who made us. He came and showed us what he is like in Jesus Christ. And because he's alive, we don't just have to believe in some historic event. We can know him today. We believe he is here with us now by his spirit. A local lad, H.G. Wells, who lived in Woking, you know, wrote War of the Worlds and one or two others. Interestingly, when Hollywood made the movie, he, um, the, 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 the aliens landed in Manhattan. In fact, they, they landed just outside Woking, uh, but Hollywood felt that didn't quite work. Uh, but H.G. Wells said this, I am a historian. I am not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. There are many people today that want to erase that. I want to tell you this, they are going to fail. They've been trying a long time. They were trying 2,000 years ago. They used a cross to do it, and that didn't go so well for them. Jesus wins. Love wins. Life prevails. You may be surprised by some of the people who have encountered the risen Lord Jesus Christ in the last year. Here's one of them Matthew Perry, Chandler from Friends, in his autobiography, describes a moment of breakthrough in his battle with addiction. God, please help me, I whispered. Show me that you are here. And then he says, I started to cry. And suddenly it was as if decades of struggling with God and wrestling with life and sadness were being washed away and I found myself in the presence of God. I was certain of it, he says. Eventually the weeping subsided, but everything was different now and I stayed sober for two years based solely on that moment. God had shown me a sliver of what life could be he had saved me that day and for all days, no matter what. He had turned me into a seeker, not only of sobriety and truth, but also of him. Isn't that beautiful? You know, that, that's the living Lord Jesus doing his stuff in someone's life. I'm only saying he's famous, so, you know, if I just said some random person, but uh, that's Matthew Perry. Here's another one. When uh, the Black Panther actress, uh, um, uh, Letitia Wright, was talking to the media media in November before Wakanda Forever was released, she talked so openly about her faith. She said, my soul was dying and it was Jesus who saved me. I can't keep this to myself, she says. I fell in love with Jesus, and I'm still in love with Jesus. You feel like she wanted to add, take that uh, to the media. That's Jesus doing his stuff. Here's another one. Um, those of you just about remember the World Cup in Qatar, uh, when the Arsenal and England winger Bukayo Saka, uh, one of the great players... Uh, said this again to the media. He said, I have been reading my Bible every night out here in Qatar. It is really important for me to have the presence of God with me so that I can go on the pitch and I don't need to be nervous. I choose to put my trust in him. That's the living Lord Jesus doing his stuff. And then this is just a few weeks ago. Uh, Kelsey Grammer. Famous playing Frazier and uh, all those other, and he was in Cheers, wasn't he? He said this, I have found great peace in my faith. Jesus has made a difference in my life. That's not anything, he says, I will apologize for. And then going from celebrities, because you might be seeing anything, well, that's just celebrities Let me just tell you about a lovely uh, eighty-seven-year-old lady called Florrie Shaw. Florrie Shaw. This is a story that the woman who the Vicar of Dibley is based upon tells this story. This she knew Florrie Shaw, and she she describes how Florrie Shaw had a serious injury. She was rushed into hospital, and her prospects were not good. And. um, she sort of came around and was blinking and her eyesight was very blurred and she saw these doctors around her dressed in white. Yes. And her immediate response was she smiled and said, Hello, God, I'm Florrie (laughs) Shaw. I love two things about that. Firstly, I love her humility that she... Assume God might not know her name. <laughs> Very polite. But secondly, I love her certainty about the resurrection of Jesus and where she was going when she died. Can I ask you gently but clearly, do you know where you are going when you die? Florrie Shaw did. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is the cornerstone of Christianity. At the heart of the gospel is this, hello, God, I am, and then insert your name. And uh, we've got someone in this congregation who's just going to come and tell us his story of the difference the resurrection of Jesus has made in his life. So Adam Batty, where are you? Come on down. Let's give him a little round of applause. It's scary, isn't it? It's scary.
1: Morning. Um, yeah, I don't know where to start really. Um, so I grew up in a very much like non-religious background, nothing like that. And um, yeah, um I think I got to about 30 and um, yeah, I'd suffered all my life with quite a bad like anxiety problem, which had left me um yeah, I'd go through these, like, months and months of just being in these, like, anxious states and panic attacks, that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it plagued me my whole life. And I, I got to about 30, was, you know, married to my wife and figuring things out. But it was still very much in the background. And um, we came to um, a time of we were thinking about having family. And um, things just, like, really fell apart for us and it didn't work. It was one of those things you kind of assume will happen for you when you're ready and it it really didn't work out like that and um, yeah so we went through this kind of time where I kind of ran out of the answers I thought I had all the answers to life and thought I you know knew everything and and then suddenly you get in a situation where you've completely run out of the answers and and yeah it was just in those kind of moments while that was going on I just I don't know why just every night I would just go outside and just like look up and just not, not pray but just just like hope that things would work out for us and um, yeah fortunately that situation came to pass and things did work out for us Um, and yeah and yeah sort of nine months on from that I was still kind of a bit confused about what I believed and then yeah our son was born and um, when he was kind of put in my arms I just had this moment of like disbelief I think I'd spent nine months like looking up and Thinking like, wow, like I can't understand the grandness of this, and then looking down into this like child's eyes. And it's the smallest thing, but equally as complicated and unbelievable. And just in that moment, I was just like, wow, like I need to go on a journey here and like find out. And so that led to just reading and lots of books, and decided to read the Bible. Got to the point where I thought, oh, I think this might be true, maybe, I'm not sure. And, um, and then it just all these things fell into place. And so we made, like, one couple friend in our antenatal group. We go to their house for lunch. I'm like, they've got this big bookcase, and it's just all Christian books. And I'm like, wow, like, okay. So I start talking to him, and then we're kind of thinking, well, maybe we should, like, try going to church, and we'll think about that. And so I get my Kindle by you know, the first book that comes up about prayer, I was like, oh, I should read around that, and then I'm reading that, and then this guy's saying, oh, Guilford this and Guilford that, and I was like, oh, there must be a Guilford in America somewhere. And um, eventually I figure out it's one of your books. And, uh, And so by, yeah, so I think I read this book, started out on the Monday, by Sunday we were up there listening to you speak, and it was just like this drawing in process, and then... From there, I did now, for course, and um, yeah, someone like, um, said something there, and I was, I was struggling to kind of understand um, like relationship to Jesus and how that worked. I kind of like knew it in my head, but um, someone just said something there that like they had this like picture of, a kind of someone with their head in their hands, like sat on a chair, and which what I used to do a lot when I was actually I would sit on the side of my bed and just like try and wait it out. And they said, you know, and Jesus is there kneeling before you. And he's been with you. And, like, in that moment, like, everything just clicked together. And I was like, wow, like, I've never been alone on this journey. And it mm. just, yeah. And then, yeah, we're still coming here. So, <laughs> there we go.
0: So, stunning. I love that you say that when you held your baby, you. Fell into this moment of disbelief, but actually, was the beginning of belief, wasn't it? Really, and and Adam, I suspect you've kind of already answered this, but if if someone just said to you in the street, "What difference has the resurrection of Jesus made in your life?" How would you summarise it?
1: That's a big question. Um, (laughs) um, Knowing that you're not in control of your life and you can let go of your grip on it and be at peace with that and someone else has got you and you're, you're okay to let go of the strain and the struggle and everything that comes with that because somebody else has got your back and it's yeah and you can live in real peace and knowing that I think for me personally that's the
0: most beautiful answer thank you so much Adam that's great brilliant well done Um, Adam mentioned how he began to ask questions. He started to read the Bible. In a moment, I'm going to give an opportunity for people who'd like to become Christians, become followers of Jesus to do so. And we've got a a few things that will help you uh, as you make that step. It might be you're just beginning the journey, like Adam, of asking those questions. But one of them has got a really beautiful uh, Bible for you and we kind of like it's analog it's 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 paper it's not just something you can get on 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 your phone and uh we've also got a a beautiful uh simple little uh booklet with pictures by charlie mackenzie uh, in it uh called why easter that was indeed oscar winning charlie mackenzie <laughs> um why easter and uh the that will help you understand what we're talking about today and how it relates to your life. There was a very uh, cynical advertising executive uh, called Frank Morrison uh, about 100 years ago who decided to use his wealth uh, and his intellect to finally disbunk Christianity. And he realized that the linchpin was the res- resurrection of Christ. If you can disprove that, then the whole thing falls apart. And so he, he worked full time trying to investigate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The problem was that the more he researched archaeology, ancient, li- ancient literature, uh, personal testimony, and so on, the more he realized the most dreadful thing he was beginning to be convinced that the evidence for the resurrection vastly outweighed the the evidence against. And so he ended up writing the very opposite book he expected to write. It's become an international bestseller. It's called Who Moved the Stone? And for him, the key question was indeed, and it was in our reading earlier, who moved that stone? Let's assume the whole thing is nonsense. So what happened? How do we explain the empty tomb? And so question one is, well, it's obvious. Surely the disciples nicked the body and then claimed, oh, he's risen from the grave. uh, Because it's kind of embarrassing, the guy you've spent your life following, and then suddenly he's, he's died. But the problem, of course, with that argument is the moment that they were being killed for their confession of the resurrection of Christ, someone would have gone, look, okay, we admit it, the whole thing is fake. And quite the reverse, no one ever did that. Person after person, thousand upon thousand lay down their lives for their certainty uh, that Jesus was alive and that hundreds of them said they had met him post-resurrection. Well, maybe you say it was the the Pharisees removed the body. But why would they do that? This was the worst thing ever ever for them they're the ones who've had him crucified and so the moment that the followers of Jesus started claiming that he had risen from the grave having some weird mass hallucination they'd have pulled out the body and said you're wrong you're lies so maybe it was the Romans those Roman guards they had the opportunity to do it who removed the body but the thing with that is that the moment that the that the uh, Christians were multiplying and starting to threaten the very power of Rome, they would have said, this is nonsense, we are the ones who took the body. And so uh, Frank Morrison examined more and more of the evidence, not just from Christians and not just from the Bible, and eventually came to the conclusion, oh my God, I use the phrase advisedly, this thing is true. Nicky Gumbel, who wrote uh, this booklet, uh, says this, the resurrection of Jesus is rooted in history. It is grounded in scripture and it is confirmed by experience. Now you may be saying to me, well, fine, Pete, yeah, this weird, thing, lots of weird things happen in the world. This weird thing happened a long time ago, a long way away. So what, what's it got to do with me? Well, firstly, as I said earlier, Christians believe that Jesus shows what God is like. If anyone ever told you that God is sort of continually scowling and angry, look at Jesus, who was loving and kind, humorous, great, you know, with with ordinary people, a friend of people who'd messed up their lives, forgiving. This is, Christians believe what God is like, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that every single one of us has sinned, has messed up, has lived selfishly in our speech and our thoughts and our deeds. All have sinned. None of us are living our best lives. We're all broken. And you can't go to a psychologist or a counselor. You can't get medication. You can't have psychotherapy to sort out that fundamental selfishness within you. Christians say that only the cross of Christ can reorientate your motivation and make you someone who is truly kind and gentle and loving. And the way that happens is not by you trying hard, but simply admitting you've messed up, receiving the forgiveness that comes from Jesus Christ, and starting out afresh this time, as Adam said, with God's help, trusting him. And so I want to suggest that Arsen Wenger is perhaps correct. Easter is indeed decisive. And the question is, what decision will we make today? Will you let this Easter, 2023, come and go uh, in a whir of chocolate and daffodils and bunny rabbits? Or will you make this Easter... 2023, a celebration of life that lasts every day for the rest of the year and the rest of your life until one day you wake up blinking like Florrie Shaw and say, hello, God. That simple choice changed my life. It's changed Florrie Shaw's life and uh, Chandler's life and uh, all those people that I mentioned earlier. It's changed Adam's life profoundly, as you have heard. It means that I am being changed. When I mess up, I can be forgiven and find freedom. It means that I can know God's presence with me through the really Difficult times of life and the best times of life. The birth of a baby struggling with anxiety. God is with me. It means that I have hope for this life and for the next. Why would you not want this? This is the best possible day of the year to become a follower of Jesus. To experience his resurrection life. In you to begin this journey to start out afresh in relationship with God, and uh, so what we're going to do is how it works very, very simply. Some people think it's too simple, but as simple as this, you make a choice, you pray a prayer. And and listen, some of you are thinking, Well, you know, I I don't have all the answers yet. I want to tell you, you will never think your way into this, just like you can't think your way into marriage. At some point, it's like, I'm going to do this. Just like if you try and plan whether it's a good idea to have babies on a spreadsheet, you're probably not going to do it. You can't think your way into it. So ultimately, as human beings, we're led by our hearts. Ultimately, we have to take a leap of faith. And so it's important that you are satisfied intellectually, but not that you have all the answers. Your brain is very small. The universe is very big. You might never have all the answers. That's what Adam talked about, trust in something, someone greater. And so you make a choice. I'm going to put Jesus first. And it might be that, like Adam, you didn't grow up with any religious background. You think, this is weird for my family. But ultimately, I, I know I need this, and I think it might be true. And I want to invite you to make a decision today to begin a journey of relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe that you grew up around Christians, but you've never clinched the deal. You've never made your own decision. Maybe people around you just assume you are a Christian, but in your heart you know you've never made Jesus Lord and said, I'm going to live for you. And today I want to invite you to make that choice You know what? It's just really easy to remember. Uh, Easter Day 2023 is the day I did it. And then maybe there's one or two people here. You used to be a genuine Christian, but you've been way away. You've fallen away. You've turned your back. You're a prodigal. And today, Jesus is saying, it is time to come home. You've tried everything else. And in your heart of hearts, you know it's not working. And you miss me. Come home. And today is your time to do that. So uh, I want to uh, just invite you in a moment to, to pray a simple prayer with me. And this is the moment where an ordinary church service becomes a life-defining moment for some of you here that you will remember for the rest of your lives. I do not apologize for that. It's my job as a minister of the gospel to give you an opportunity to come in a relationship with Jesus as my joy to do so. And uh, then we're going to pray a little prayer today together. And then after that prayer, I just want to be absolutely clear with you: we've got these uh, fluorescent green bags with, you know, a Bible. We want to give you uh, one of these waste booklets so you can go home, sit on the loo, and think, "What did I just do?" And try and get your head around it. And there's also, but I almost don't want to mention this because I'd hate anyone's motives to be false. But there's a very, very nice travel mug uh, in there. Um, <laughs> but, but ignore that. So. There is no cash. I'm just telling you that now. Uh, But that's our joy to give you that. We want to give you all the help we can as you get started on this journey. So I wonder, it'd be great to get the band back up and let's just all bow our heads and just take a moment of silence amidst all the chocolate and the noise and the singing of this day. This is a serious moment. So just take a moment to think. It may be some of you here. It's a moment to recommit your vows to the Lord. And just as you, as you maintain that quiet posture, let me just tell you, the way I like doing it is this. It's very simple. It, the prayer we're going to do, it goes like this. Clean me up and count me in. Okay. We'll pray a little bit more than that, but clean me up is that bit of, I admit, I've screwed up. I've sinned. I'm messy inside and out. And I dare to believe that what you did on the cross, you did for me. I, 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 I'm sorry. I admit it. I ask you to forgive me. Clean me up. And then the second bit is count me in. That's the bit where we say, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. They can call me a Christian. They can call me an aardvark. They can call me anything they want. I'm just at heart a follower of Jesus. I'm a Christian. I'm joining his church with all its flaws. I'm in. Count me in. Okay? So that's how we do it. Clean me up and count me in. And so... I'm just going to I'm just gonna pray a simple prayer, and I want to invite every single person in this room to pray this out loud after me, okay? As some of you, you're already Christians, but I try and get saved every day anyway. Um, and some of you aren't, and this is your moment of saying, count me in. I'm up for this. I want what Adam's described. I want this Easter to be a turning point in my life. I'm willing to give this a go. So, Uh, I'm going to pray a prayer. I just invite you, if you'd like to do so, to pray out loud with me, after me. Is that okay? It's not how we normally do it here. So is everyone okay with that? We're all going to pray out loud. Okay. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are alive. Please clean me up. I admit that I have sinned in my thoughts and my words and my deeds. Thank you that you died on the cross that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me now. I am sorry for my sin. Clean me up. Give me a fresh start. And Lord Jesus, count me in. I want to follow you. Eyes closed, please.